way, people. Welcome everybody. Today is August the 18th, 2022. Welcome to another episode of Counterspin. It's great to have you with us. Um, of course, Kelvin, you'll notice, is not with me. He is uh, working on a story and he will be hopefully um, bringing some big bombs to drop very, very soon, which is, of course, a good thing because we've got momentum. The whole freedom movement has had a great week this week in New Zealand uh, with, of course, the mainstream media here, Stuff Circuit dropping that one-hour um, fizzle and flop, as we like to call it. They called it Fire and Fury, but it was just an absolute hit piece amongst, uh, you know, to, to discredit anybody who is speaking out against the mainstream narrative. And, of course, they didn't have any... Um, experts that you know come from our side uh, they didn't have any experts at all they tried to just discredit people like us who like to talk to the experts um, and other people like Carleen Hediota and Damien Dement um, and of course Voices for Freedom Chantel Baker and also um, Kyle Chapman as well just basically trying to t say that everybody was uh, white supremacist far right you know just trying to do character assassination at this point uh, which I think has come back to um, bite them in the bum. And I think they have given everybody some great advertising. We did, if you didn't catch it on Sunday, we did a rebuttal to it, a three-hour rebuttal with many of the people that featured in that documentary. So if you missed that, it is episode 70 in our lineup. You can go to band.video or uh, counterspinmedia.com to see that. Now, if you have liked what's happening this week, um, then please do consider getting behind us because, as you all know, this is an information war and they have really um, tried to pull out their big guns. But as we like to say, they threw a pebble and we, th we throw back the nukes. So we're not going to stop. We thought today uh, on or tonight on this episode, we would bring you um, some people who are experts in their field and they are the people that Paula Penfold... Um, the reporter and the researcher of that documentary, she should have spoken to some of these people. There's a whole plethora of people that she should have been speaking to. So we will have um, Cindy de Villiers from the New Zealand Doctors Speaking Out with Science and also Dr. Guy Hatchard from the Hatchard Report. But before we bring those two on to discuss the the COVID narrative and, and the information that the documentary should have uh, involved uh, or had on, we will talk to Steve Evans from Families for Justice. He has been following the Royal Commission of Inquiry into Faith and State-Based Care. And of course, that's something that many of you will have heard through Carleen Hediota as well. Because of course, in this country, like and around the world, the pandemic that is really going on is the abuse of children. And this is why many of us are standing up because it is the future generations that really matter. So if you like what we're doing and you like what we've seen, please do consider going and giving us some financial support. We're trying to do a $2 a week campaign. So if you know all of our supporters did a $2 AP every week, you don't know how much that would make a difference um, to our operations. So we'd love you uh, to actually get on board financially and give us that support because without it, we can't do it, unfortunately. It's just a fact of life, you know, and 
when you're up against the deep state and all their, their, their you know, their mainstream media propaganda arm, um, you know, 30, over $300,000 being given to stuff um, circuit over, you know, for to create 90 minutes worth of um, propaganda, basically, of your taxpayer money. That's what they've been given by the um, Public Interest Journalist Fund. So, of course, uh, you know, for us to do what we're doing and really get under their skin like that, it's a real miracle. But we can't do it without you. So please, please get behind us, counterspinmedia.com, find the donate button and just set up just as much as $2 a week or a coffee a week or maybe you've um, got a little bit extra that you can support us with because it really, really does go a long way and um, we need your support if we're going to win this war together. The other thing that we really should talk about is everybody did so great on the platform this week. Uh, you would have heard Cal Calvin's interview with Michael Laws, he just smashed it. The feedback, the comments were great. Uh, just, you know, he's probably, Michael Laws is probably one of the the toughest talkback radio hosts in the country. Um, he certainly blindsided me when he had me on the other week. Um, but, you know, Calvin held his own and you guys loved what he said. So thank you, everybody, for the support. Of course, Chantel Baker, Voices for Freedom, Linda Wharton, and all of you who got on there, our own Sarah Jane today did an amazing job. Um, the All of you who have had um, vaccine injuries or you've lost a loved one, Rory Nan's dad was on there as well with Rodney Hyde, who's doing a great job. So, you know, we have to give credit where credit is due. Um, and, you know, the work that we're doing here at Counterspin is actually holding these other platforms accountable as well because they can watch what we're doing. They know that we've got an audience and they can see from all the feedback that um, you guys are wanting the truth out. And um, congratulations to all of you who rung Talkback as well. All of you who are standing for your local council who have put your name forward, you're doing a phenomenal job. Uh, yes, the mainstream media will come out and try and slander you, but, you know, you're always welcome to come on our platform and um, have your say and we will not censor you and we will get your message out there. So without further ado, uh, I think we should bring our first guest on, Steve Evans from the um, Families for Justice. Welcome to the show, Steve. I love the intro. You know, it's quite interesting. You're being cast as fake news and conspiracy theorists. Well, that was kind of the same as us when we started out uh, telling people what a lawless, corrupt um, criminal outfit Oranga Tamariki was and the behaviour of the family court, um, which is supposed to be independent of the state, which clearly it supports the state, which is, you know, the organisations like Oranga Tamariki, the New Zealand police. And, you know, in my own personal story, it took me many, many years because all we, we ever say is tell the truth. And, of course, we're at the Royal Commission uh, listening to uh, survivors um, at the Royal Commission, and it's very, very frustrating listening to some of these absolutely horrific stories of people uh, and the fact that, you know, many of them don't get justice and there are a few like, uh, you know, CCHR and Paul Zenfield and Malcolm Justice that have been fighting for over 50 years. And it still amazes me today in that particular part of the Royal Commission that when I talk to the average people in the street, they do not know that New Zealand was the first liberal government in the world to be chastised 
for torture of children using electrification on their genitals. And what's come out, of course, in the Royal Commission is that there is a very, very uh, horrible side of New Zealand that's been covered up. And I think the the organizer, you know, CCHR, the Citizen Human Rights Group in Lake Alice, when you looked at that particular case, you saw that the failures were all the professionals that were paid for by the state that attracted taxpayers' money to perform their jobs and duty of care, and they totally failed. Police lied. Police failed to do those investigations. The, um, the medical people, um, they covered it up. The psychologists, the education people, um, you know, social welfare, it's child, youth and family. I mean, you know, and of course, if social workers lie uh, in the court or to other professionals like the, the police, they are believed over the voices of the children. It's just an absolute appalling behaviour because the systems that have been set up by the state are, well, you can't complain. You know, I've, I've, I've made numerous complaints with various organisations in my own case, uh, two with the ombudsman. They, they won't even open the file. Um, I've been complaining to ministers in the education area since 2006. They closed the file. You know, and it's all coming out that no one has believed only the state. And it's a real David and Goliath uh, situation to hold the state to account in New Zealand. And in fact, a majority of us have basically given up on the justice system in New Zealand. Um, what we saw this week at the Royal Commission was very frustrating. Uh, we had uh, MSD, we've had the New Zealand police, uh, we had... Um, uh, the medical council people, the medical professionals, and we had uh, today the education. And the thing was that we all believe, at least from the survivor's point of view, that most of these senior uh, officials, you know, CEOs of these ministries, are not telling the truth. They're covering it up. And um, so the truth can never be told. So what we think is happening is that the citizens' view of the truth is over here and the institutionalised managers of paid for by our taxpayers' money, their, their truth is down here. And, of course, you know, I just refer it back to, you know, some of the work that you people are doing. You know, it may take uh, a while for the truth to come out. And um, the problem is those people who've caused all the problem will be gone. But, you know, like, like the police, you know, Costa said he didn't know what was going on. Well, then why isn't uh, Howard Broad there? Why isn't Mike Bush there? Why isn't the people that should be answering the behaviour of, of hurting our children and, and destroying our families and racial bias, um, why are they not held to account? Why? It's a very good question. Now, um, 
let's just let's if we we've had Paul Zanfeld on the show before um and he's an old family friend of Calvin's as well some of you may remember that story but maybe for example uh Steve maybe you could just start a little bit by yeah telling us some of the stories of this abuse that was happening in state care and 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 just how long it was going on for Holy hell, I couldn't do that. I'm sorry. Um, I, you know, look, I listened with a lawyer once uh, for Paul's story. And uh, when he got up to explaining that he was 12 years old and what had happened to him being electrified on his genitals by uh, Mr. Leakes, I had to leave the room uh, because I had a son who was 12 years old at the time. It was too much for me. Um, I sat and listened to many of the stories that were told by a number of the people and it just got too traumatising, if I'm really honest. It actually created anxiety. And um, and I didn't see that as, as a real healthy thing. Um, and I was fighting my own battles with the uh, New Zealand government. So the concern that we've all got when it comes to telling the truth is that if the Royal Commission doesn't sanction some of these uh, leaders of these ministries, which are lying, lawless, corrupt buggers, um, then it's just going to bring the Royal Commission into disrepute and it's bringing the judicial system into disrepute, which we've believed for a very long, long time anyway. Because, for example, yeah, like you say, um, they, they leave it so long to do any investigation. Then by the time they do, the people who perpetrated the abuse have either left the organisation or, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but with Dr Leakes's, uh case, he ended up going to Australia and then he recently passed away, didn't he? So he was never actually held accountable for years. the crimes that he committed against all these children. 50 years. People were waiting. And yet the information was there. But what is the saddest part is there were 30 boxes held at uh, Crown Law that had never been seen by the police. And um, I must say, uh, Jacinda Ardern, uh, I understand, made those boxes go directly to the Royal Commission. Um, uh, it's it's very clear through that process, uh, um, um, which was really well conducted by um, the Citizen Human Rights Group, uh, Mike Ferris and Victor Boyd and his team uh, in Lake Ellis, was the failure of the professionals. And of course, the judiciary sits there and says, we don't listen to the parents, we listen to the professionals. But, you know, the professionals in that case were lying. The professionals in my own case were, were lying. The police were lying. Um, the social workers were lying. They had all the evidence, but they, they had hidden it. Um, and I was only you know, lucky to find some of it. I found more now in the last few years, but uh, it doesn't help when you can't get your national intelligence database. So you know, I know what it's like to be attacked by the state um, uh, because they want to cover up their appalling criminal behaviour. And yet these people are paid for by the taxpayer. It's shocking. We're getting abused with our own money. And, of course, that's what we're seeing um, in, in the Royal Commission is, you know, um, I think the Palmerston North School, Deaf School, that was just shocking. I actually had to leave. I couldn't listen to it anymore. It was just appalling what they did to those children. Um, and I'm sure it's the same in Cherry Farm. We saw it came out in um, a little bit of a discussion with uh, Andrew Costa about Tokanui. Um, you know, look, the real story is these 
these organisations need to be thoroughly investigated. Um, but the sad part is, after all these stories are told, nobody's been convicted. And we're talking thousands of people. Something is seriously wrong here. Yeah, well, if you um, if you dovetail what you're saying with the article that we have been mentioning for a long time now, the 2007 Ian Wishart article, where it talks about the um, child sex trafficking ring that was operating out of uh, Dunedin. Now, uh, yeah, what the happened there? Yeah, there, there was a massive cover up there, and oh. um, you know Howard Broad and 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 the police commissioner and. And even um, the finance minister, the deputy, and who went on, you know, he was also the deputy prime minister of the Labour government under the Clark government. Um, you know, these people are all complicit in covering up something they knew that there was, yeah, police involved, lawyers, um, and all sorts of very high echelons of our society. And Helen Clark, at the, uh, you know, in 2007 was actually... Um, I can't remember if it was 2007, but she was asked to go and do a Royal Commission of Inquiry into what was happening in the Bay of Plenty with the police and um, abuse there that was going on. But she would not touch the Dunedin case. And now it looks like they've got this Royal Commission of Inquiry going on. But like you say, who's actually going to be taken, who's going to be held accountable at the end of it? And is it, it's the taxpayer really that's footing the bill for these people to continue committing crimes or not taking responsibility for their crimes? Look, I'm telling you this. Most of the survivors are not so interested in, in compensation. They want justice. Yeah. You know, you know. I cannot tell you how horrible it is to eat no justice. It is terrible. And going back to the Dunedin sex ring, you know, I, I, I only know a little bit about it. You know, I'm not as knowledgeable as most um, there are a number of people I know close to me that are very knowledgeable about that. Um, there was a book written by uh, Mr. Tom Lewis. Tom Lewis, yeah, yeah, living on the Gold Coast. And there's there's people, uh, police officers, they went around and bought as many books as they could or, or took as many books as they could and went on a book burning because they didn't want to discredit the New Zealand police. Well, you know... Um, there's so, just too, too much of it. There certainly is, and it's a bit of a theme that's coming out in, in this day and age. There really is a war on truth. How are those victims doing today? I mean, this stuff ruins their lives, doesn't it? I mean, they're never oh, the same after it. Listen, you know, I'm, I'm, I was in a boy's home. Um, I don't think I've told many people that, and I kept that under wraps for a very, very long time. I, I, I ran away to Africa it was only now, and I'm nearly 60, that I realised why I had depression as a young man. Um, and so when my children got caught up in an international drug operation, they were 6 and 12, um, I fought really, really hard for my children. Um, and I, uh, I, I spent nearly eight years in the family court. Um, I've got seven in jail now, um, three, three doing life, I believe. Uh, but they'll be out. Um, and uh, not one of the police officers uh, that uh, served me, um, I think I got three or four trespass notices from police stations because I was reporting the drug dealer breaching bail around my kids. Um, none of them being held to account.
you can't even get the IPCA off their lazy ass because they protect the police too. It's terrible. You know, the chances of getting justice in New Zealand, I would say is, you know, it's a real David and Goliath operation. But I think Paul made the right choice. You can't get justice in New Zealand. You have to go offshore and and you have to work with the United Nations. You will not receive justice in New Zealand. The cronyism, uh, you know, the, if the if the Royal Commission doesn't do something about how these leaders of the ministries are abusing us with our taxpayers' money, then they're bringing the commission into disrepute. And they will have wasted all the money, the millions of dollars that they're spending on this commission because people will know um, that you know, you can just go around abusing people. Look, the biggest abuser in New Zealand is the state by far, at least from all the information I've got, whether you go to corrections, whether you go to um, Oranga Tamariki, whether you go to education, it's the professionals that are failing who are all paid for by the government, our taxpayers' money. It's just shocking. The Taxpayers Association of New Zealand, I cannot believe they don't complain about the abuse of our taxpayers' money. And so just before um, we wrap up, what is happening with Oranga Tamariki now and them wanting, um, well, and, and the government actually voting to get rid of the Children's Commissioner? What's going to happen and, and what's, what's your perspective on that? Well, whoever wrote the bill must have been smoking little green cigarettes. You know, Honestly, it showed quite clearly to me and to many others with 400 people against and I think eight four, um, that democracy is dead in New Zealand. So, the, so what was sad for a lot of us was that, you know, we had to get rid of National because they were, they were terrible. You know, you know um, Paula Bennett, you know, no housing crisis, idiot, right? Um, and then we, we were, many of us pushed for Labour and we got the Royal Commission. Thank you. And then they go and they put together these Oranga Tamariki bills and they are just totally out the gate. They want to give the a, a huge piece of control to the um, Education Review Office, which can't even run education properly. I mean, look at the tens of thousands of kids, including my son, who's 15, who we've just discovered, and I pay going to, sadly, a Catholic school, um, uh, it reads at the age of a nine-year-old. And it's taken me three and a half years of complaining. My children have been disadvantaged because I thought that a, a religious private school would be able to um, do a better job than a state school. Well, yeah, and yeah. speaking of um, the religious private schools, we, we won't have time to go into it too much, but over the last you know few months, there have actually been some really big stories coming out from those schools about yeah, again, the decades sexual of abuse. abuse. Yeah, the sexual abuse that was going on by the teachers or the priests. Shocking. But, you know, when we come to the religious stuff, you know, and, and you talk about you being written off as a conspiracy theorist or a white supremacist or whatever, you know, it's taken 3,000 years, maybe even longer, to out the, the churches for their unbelievable abuse uh, sexual abuse that they did to children, girls, boys, nuns, whatever. You know, I mean, it was a boys' club. It really was. And, um, you know, uh, I mean, it, it seems to me that 
telling the truth is very, very difficult um, a, a thing to do in New Zealand. Yeah, it's it's actually almost like a revolutionary act these days. Now, Steve, um, where can people follow your work and how can people support you or um, support the survivors um, of all the state abuse? Well, you know, uh, although talk, uh, Facebook's a very toxic place, um, you'll find us there and you'll find a lot of other groups like uh, Lake Ellis Survivors, um, Not One More Baby by Jean Tahuya. Um, you know, there are a lot of people out there fighting, but we're in a real David and Goliath situation when the, when the judiciary and the politicians and then, you know, the heads of these departments, none of them are being able to be held to account. So, you know, I have a very big concern, of course, that, you know, everything has a cycle and maybe peace in New Zealand as we know it um, is 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 not going to be that way until until we've gone through a huge cycle, because people, you know, well, you know, the vaccination situation, and of course that's not our field, but obviously we follow it, and you know, it seems to me, at least from the outside, that you know, there's a lot of people saying that this wasn't such a good idea anymore. Yeah. Now, why don't you just share your experience? Because you did make it to Wellington too. And this Fire and Fury documentary tried to paint everybody as some sort of violent extremist, uh, white supremacist. What was your experience of Wellington? And I mean, Paula, again, like I said, Paula Penfold should have been coming to speak, coming to, speak to people like you uh, to find out why you were there. Well, you can obviously understand from where I'm coming from at the moment that I think New Zealand's going down the dunny, right? Um, I was when I got down there. I was I was so impressed. The beautiful people across every race, culture, business, uh, unemployed, the even the uh, Hare Krishna people. It was it brought me back to what New Zealand used to be like: the kindness, the 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 generosity of the people. You know, friends of mine. Um, who I didn't know were down there running the medical tent. Um, and then, of course, sadly, you saw the dirty cops, um, you know, do, do what they did. See, see, I can't understand how the lawn, uh, which is outside uh, the, 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 the House of the Parliament, which is the House of Representatives, right, our people's representatives, that we can even possibly be trespassed from there. When you've got the likes of, um, you know, the, the silly idiot that put on the sprinklers, well, he's protested outside the parliament. It's just, it's just, just shocking. Yeah, and, were- and Chris Hipkins, the um, minister for the COVID response at the time, he actually protested, you know, when he was at university and he got trespassed from parliament grounds. And then I think 10 years later, he was given a $5,000 payout as compensation. Wow. Yeah. Show me the money because it's our taxpayers' money. We're funding these bloody criminals that are running our country. And I, I've got to say this. I don't believe the politicians any longer run the country. It's the head of their ministries. They are professional, business-oriented people who are institutionalized, and it's all about them and their salaries. Look. The head of the State Services Commission that appoints a lot of these heads 
is on 660,000, a lot more than the Prime Minister. Peter Hughes, where'd he come from? MSD and SIFs. And I've got a real bitch at Child, Youth and Family for using my kids in a drug operation. And they knew it. The police also, of course. But, you know, we listened to Costa um, saying that, oh, he wasn't there. Um, you know, he didn't know about anything. He's been in the police for 20 odd years. Ah, no, nah, listen, we expect a much higher standard of behaviour by our bureaucrats and by our ministers. It's bloody shocking that they think that they're untouchable in this country. Yeah, and that's the problem. Hey, Steve, we're going to have to cut it there, but I think we'll have to get you back on um, and go through these things with a fine-tooth comb. You could tell us a lot of stories, and maybe we could even get some of the survivors on, you know, so they can start yeah, telling happy to stories. Help. Just like we need people who have been injured by these vaccines, you know, we need to put these people in front of the public so they can hear it um, direct from the horse's mouth and, and actually realise that this taxpayer, their taxpayer dollars is, f- is funding some really dark stuff. So we really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much, and um, we look forward to seeing you again soon. Well, the most important thing is just tell the truth. That's right. That's what we're trying to do here at counter Have a good evening. All right. Thanks, Steve. That is, of course, Steve Evans from Families for Justice. Go and check out his Facebook page. He's doing great work. Uh, the Royal Commission of Inquiry into Faith-Based Care and State Care continues. And that, of course, is a big part of Carleen Hedyorder's work. And she was one of the protagonists in the um, scathing hit piece, Fire and Fury, that was a complete flop. But, you know, they did not go and talk to people like Steve, who for years have been working with uh victims of this abuse and exposing the corruption in the judicial system and the police and you know where, where was Paula Penfold actually going and talking to these people and asking about their experience it's, it was a very shallow piece of um, journalism it's, I don't think anybody is actually seriously calling it journalism, it is a propaganda piece so we're going to play a little um, word from our sponsor hopefully Ouchie Powder, they are a great company they are patriots, freedom lovers and their product is great for all your cuts and scrapes it helps coagulate the blood it's all natural and uh, you can go and check them out at ouchiepowder.com let's see if we can roll that little sponsor mama i have an ouchie it's okay mama will fix it simply shake ouchie powder directly onto the wound The natural antibiotic properties of algae powder will sterilize the wound. Once the powder is applied, wait a few seconds while the algae powder absorbs the excess blood and forms a protective layer sealing the wound. Thanks, Mum. Can I go play now? Algae powder fixes wounds fast. If you're suffering with insomnia, depression, anxiety, and even pain, then check out the AlphaStim. AlphaStim is a safe, drug-free medical device clinically proven to really work. AlphaStim is used by medical professionals around the world, including national health services and the military. Receive $50 off and free delivery throughout New Zealand by using the Counterspin link and promo code for a limited time only and while stocks last, so order yours today. Excellent. And now we are joined by Dr. Guy Hatchard from the Hatchard Report and Dr. Cindy de Villiers from NZDSOS. Welcome to both of you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Cindy, let's start with you. I understand you've got a bit of a disclaimer that you'd like to 
get out there to start with. <laughs> thank you, Hannah. Um, thank you for having us on. I'll just read my disclaimer. The views that I hold and share publicly about COVID, the COVID-19 response differ from those of the, the Ministry of Health. My views are the minority views in that they differ from the majority of New Zealand medical pro professionals. The views that I have are based on my personal review and understanding of the available evidence. This information does not constitute the practice of medicine and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. Now, let's just start with you. Um, the NZDSOS.com is a great website for anybody who wants to get an alternative to the mainstream. Um, hopefully, we've got a whole lot of new people watching after the hit pieces that ha they have been putting out in mainstream about us. But, you know, New Zealand Doctors Speaking Out with Science is one of the leading groups here in New Zealand that has the experts, that have the research, they're in touch with um, their colleagues overseas, they're always up to date with the latest studies, and they know exactly what's going on. But Paula Penfold and the um, team at Stuff failed to interview any of them, and that was glaringly obvious to anybody with a brain that uh, they didn't have any experts represented on there. Now, yeah, like I say, they did a great they did a great um, re rebuttal on their website. So I certainly suggest you go and look at that. So, Cindy, um, from your point of view, you know what 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 do you think about the standard of journalism in this country at the moment and you know are they ethical anymore <laughs> so thank you uh, Hannah so I mean I'm not a journalist and, and I can't comment obviously in a professional manner I, I can comment as a citizen it just seems to me that there is such a blinkered view and that you know two years ago or two and a half years ago, probably, we would have never believed what is happening. Um, and you know, even in the science field, when uh, so-called science journalists are um, putting their pieces out, I mean, you would never, oh, I had never in the past seen where only one expert was um, quoted. And so I, I feel that we've lost our way both in medicine and in journalism and maybe even as humans. We've lost our way and we've become so ingrained in the way we think that we're not considering what we're doing and how that's affecting um, not only ourselves, but our families and the rest of humanity. So, you know, from an ethical point of view, you know, when you are so dogmatic about something, you immediately lose your ethics and, and it behoves all of us to to just take a step back and to open our eyes and open our minds and try and see things from another point of view. Yeah, definitely, because there's certainly been a lack of any serious debate. I mean, how far have NZDSOS actually got with the mainstream? I mean, you guys have been writing to every single media outlet all the government departments um and and i mean what response have you had have you ever been invited to have a have a friendly debate with any of the experts they trot out uh no not at all i mean the the, the most mainstream we've got was on sean plunkett's show yesterday um which which was hosted by uh, rodney hyde um but yeah we you know we send out our press releases to all the media outlets we we we, we certainly get no um 
we don't get published anywhere. Um, we don't get asked for interviews. Um, we occasionally, you know, you'll find us in some of the alternative media, but that's about it. And let's bring you on here, um, Dr. Guy Hatchard. What was your initial uh, response to this Fire and Fury hit piece that came out? And 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 why weren't you invited? Why weren't you on there? You've been putting out great work around the statistics and all the, the, the information. Uh, well, it's laughter, really. It's laughable, isn't it? Um, this evening I was watching GB News, which is uh, the most watched news channel at nine o'clock in the UK now, alternative media, like Candlespin Media. And uh, they were interviewing a cardiologist who was uh, very openly discussing the misuse of statistics and the lack of understanding among his medical colleagues about the actual risks involved in the vaccine. Mainstream news, where are we? We're uh, still stuck in some government-sponsored program, which stuff calls the whole truth, uh, which is seeking to undermine anyone who speaks up and asks questions. It's laughable. That's the way I see it. I, I mean... Totally not not in the right place here in New Zealand. From your point of view, uh, what would if, if they had asked you for an interview, what would you have told them were the most important pieces of information that the New Zealand public needed to know right now, either about um, the COVID statistics that the government is putting out or uh, the statistics now about what's happening to those who have been double jabbed or boosted, double boosted? Well, they're not keeping the right information. So uh, on the death certificate, there's no notification of whether a person has been vaccinated or not. So we have very high or cause mortality at the moment. It's record and it's a long way above the record. And uh, the studies uh, or the figures that have been brought out in the UK show that this, these extra deaths are predominantly among uh, vaccinated people. We aren't keeping those kind of records. We, right from the start, uh, our medical uh, people misinterpreted the Pfizer data. So that this 95% effectiveness figure which was put out by Pfizer and, and accepted very uncritically among our medical red regulators um, was a relative risk reduction. If you look at the absolute risk reduction, then uh, the studies, the trials showed that it reduced uh, infection by one person in 119. Uh, that was 0.84%. So it was a misuse of figures and a misplaced faith in the whole notion of vaccination. And the, the mainstream media have sort of swallowed up these uh, scientific fallacies. And uh, let's look at mainstream in medical uh, publishing now. Uh, the New England Journal of Medicine raising red flags. The British Medical Journal saying they they want to see the Pfizer data themselves. They don't want to accept Pfizer's word anymore. So what this government has to do is detach itself from being totally dependent on its internal 
medical experts, so-called experts, and start to take some independent assessment of this kind of information. And one of the very important reasons for this is that MedSafe belongs to ICMA, the International Coalition of Medicines Regulatory Authorities. ICMA is fed data directly by the pharmaceutical uh, big pharma, basically. And that comes straight into the heart of the people who are advising our government. And they basically receive templates. Uh, You should be doing this. And they turn to the government and say, you should be doing this. And the government say, well, we've talked to the experts. And the government made a huge mistake when they had this one source of truth concept, totally distorted our society, our scientific way of carrying on uh, and uh, assessing information and now is the time other countries are detaching themselves now from the from this medical um hegemony it's almost like a medical dictatorship and it it's it's sort of a whole structure of misplaced faith uh, you know the word vaccination has has got a sort of mystique uh, I, I, you know, traditional vaccines have been, relatively speaking, um, free of serious adverse effects. And that's another discussion. But I mean, compared to mRNA vaccines, mRNA vaccines have unprecedented side effects. And even the fights of trials showed, showed this. If you, if you revisited the data, which people have started to do, it suddenly become apparent that you have a higher risk of hospitalization from uh, side effects of mRNA vaccination than you have from COVID. This is the fights of trial data, uh, which serious medical people uh, are, are looking at and being critical about, but fights are still trying to hide the data in its totality. You know, and, and that's what I find absolutely insane because so you've got all the Pfizer documents that were released under a court order because they wanted to keep them basically hidden for 75 years and then you've got people like Sean Plunkett on the platform today basically saying it's a conspiracy theory and but but why not let's hold Pfizer accountable by looking at their past because I mean we should be questioning what their products are and how good they are because they made history for the biggest settlement in healthcare in which they were ordered to pay $2.3 billion to victims. So, I mean, they've already been held accountable for bad practice in the past. Why is it so hard to think that they would, um, I mean, what what are we even going to call this? How, how do we describe what they've done with this mRNA vaccine? It's it's malpractice, and that's why the British Medical Journal wants to see the internal uh, communications between Pfizer executives. Excellent. So this is mainstream people calling these people out. This is not fringe groups. These are people asking serious people asking serious questions. 
That's great. And um, coming back to you, Cindy, because of course there was big news coming out of the CDC as well. And New Zealand throughout the pandemic has always, or you know, pandemic, I suppose we should call it at this point, but they are constantly saying, you know, we look to overseas for our experts and our information. And, you know, a big part of that was the CDC and the World Health Organization. But um, why don't you tell people the latest news from the CDC if they haven't caught up with it? Yes, thank you, Hannah. And it is, it is incredible that it's just nowhere on the mainstream media. Uh, so the CDC came out, I think it was last week, just saying that for COVID prevention, the recommendations are no longer differentiate between a person's vaccination status. So basically, whether you're vaccinated or not, um, doesn't really matter anymore. So you, uh, they've come out against rec- um, asymptomatic testing, um, you don't need a quarantine if you've been exposed to the virus um, and people can, you know, they've said stu- students can stay in class after being exposed to the virus if they're not sick. So, you know, yeah, this is this is just plain common sense and it's, you know, should be headlines around the world. The pandemic's over. It's, it's, it's over, guys. All right, you heard it, heard it here from Sydney. The pandemic's over, guys. If you're just tuning into Counterspin, you are getting tomorrow's news today. And um, like like um, Guy was saying, Cindy, you know, the rest of the world seems to be getting on, but New Zealand's still in a medical dictatorship. I mean, wh- what are your colleagues around the world saying? What 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 is life like for the average person now? Well, it does depend on where they're at, and it is quite variable. So obviously, as Guy was saying in the UK, it's you know it's pretty much over. Um, Canada, you know, we would have seen that there's increasing numbers of doctors dying after their fourth jab. So they're still um, struggling. Um, But yeah, generally people are moving ahead and it appears as if New Zealand and Canada for some reason are just um, sticking to their guns or um, determined to to continue with the narrative. And it's really hard to figure it out. I mean, you know, we're one of the yeah, we still can't see people in in, in person, you know, in, the, um, in New Zealand. It's it's just incredible. Yeah, there there really is. Excuse me, so much fallout on on so many levels. And what are you seeing? I mean, of course, Linda Wharton at the New Zealand Health Forum, you know, is, is keeping statistics of of um, deaths in in a close. Uh, time frame of having the vaccine um, and of course they're keeping a, a close record of the adverse reactions um, what, what are you seeing or what are, what are your colleagues telling you about you know these yeah. these adverse reactions and is it affecting young people I mean COVID you know I mean there's a, we can talk about with you know it, ha- it hasn't been isolated and and the whole thing around it is certainly not it's fake science I, I suppose that's probably how we best describe it but it, COVID has never officially really affected young people yet. The jab was still rolled out, and now there's high rates of myocarditis, pericarditis, and and heart issues. What are you seeing? So we are actually collecting stories in our Truth Project. We're asking um, uh, health professionals and other professionals to uh, message us confidentially. We have a form on our uh, on our website. And we're putting up the stories and it actually makes quite horrific reading because I, I um, put up most of those stories and sometimes it's quite difficult. And, you know, for instance, we have a dentist who, who in one day saw about five people who were either directly affected by the vaccination or their uh, family members were affected by the vaccination. We're hearing stories of young people um, whose lives have been ruined. And when 
you know, you know, our critics will say, well, you can't say it's from the vaccine. Well, you know, we need to ask them, well, can they say it's not from the vaccine? And particularly when, as you say, COVID barely affects young people. I mean, they barely notice it. So it, it, it is actually very distressing listening to the stories and um, hearing from the whistleblowers as to what is actually happening out there. Absolutely. And yeah, what what about you, Guy? What what's the, what what statistics have you got, and where are you looking for for the adverse reactions? I mean, can we can we just break down to people who again think this is all a conspiracy theory? They think, you know, I actually spoke to a journalist last week in Christchurch um, from stuff again um but you know that they say oh firstly he said he doesn't look at the data secondly he said that um you know the data that our side has must be wrong so where let, let's talk to these journalists directly let's talk to paula the paula penfolds of this world where should they be looking at um to get their information in regards to vaccine injuries and um these adverse reactions journals it, you know, read the journals, journal publishing. This is standard science. I mean, look at talking about myocarditis here, the study in, in Thailand, it's just an object lesson of what we should have been doing. The study of 300 adolescents aged 13 to 18, just recently published uh, after their second jab, uh, at, uh, just before the jab, three days, five days, seven days, 14 days, they were subjected to a battery of tests designed to detect cardiovascular irregularities. So microbiological tests, cardiograms, and so on. And they found that three out of uh, 10, three out of every 10 uh, young kids had car irregular cardiovascular effects, which mostly cleared up. Um, but Nevertheless, these cardiovascular effects, they have long-term consequences. We should have been doing objective effects. So we had Ashley Bloomfield estimating, and we're seeing a lot of estimating in New Zealand saying he thinks, or the Ministry of Health thinks, that three out of 100,000 people are affected, have cardiovascular effects from the, from the vaccine. Well, objective measurements, not, not subjective assessments. Uh, three out of 10, that's 10,000 times more than, than what the government is trying to pass off to the people as a science. Uh, uh, absolutely has to be objective measurements. And people are starting to do these more exactly. We had a study this week, that stuff should definitely read coming out of Iceland which is showing that the unvaccinated are predominant, vastly predominantly suffering from the reinfections. And more worrying still, this is particularly affecting young people. So reinfection with COVID means you've got COVID and then you get it again and then you get it again. Who's it affecting? Young people. Well, they never should have had the vaccination in the first place because they, they weren't at risk and now they are at risk. So uh, what happened was we totally underestimated what, uh, how mobile, how toxic genetic information is, how mobile it is in, in the physiology. And when I say underestimate, this is a wrong expression because 
Pfizer had actually done animal experiments on mice, and they found that the uh, genetic material was found throughout the mouse in, in all the different organ systems. And they ignored it, and they said, this can't happen in humans. And now we see this week that CDC have quietly deleted from their website the suggestion that the uh, mRNA and, and spike protein disappear quickly from the system because it doesn't. It persists. It's toxic. It interlocks. You see, it's, it's, it's intelligent. It's, in a way, it's kind of alive. It, it locks into the body's physiological system and it starts to cause problems. And these can be very serious problems. And that's what the, uh, the data coming out of the UK is, that th there are um, serious problems which are being hidden because they weren't being counted. And we have to start to count them. We have to start to put the VAC status on the, uh, uh, on the death certificates. We have to take a serious look and we have to have independent debate. And that was what was so worrying about Fire and Fury is it was obviously intended to stifle debate, to stifle any kind of serious questions. And I'm someone who supported the government. I supported the government's pandemic policy a lot of scientists like me are now speaking up because we look at the data. We're scientists. We're not, you know, the medical profession was very sleepy about this. Of course, they got wrong information. Yeah, absolutely. And the government apparently got wrong information. But we can't be so naive. You, you started off saying, well, Pfizer has a history. Well, since 1950, there have been some 246 drugs withdrawn from circulation because they don't work and they cause bad side effects. Well, we should have known. I mean, this is normal. It's not unusual, this situation where we have a drug introduced that then it's discovered it doesn't work. And in some cases, there's malfeasance involved. So this is normal. The medical profession has fallen asleep on this. We have to wake up, be more protective of people be more protective in New Zealand as a country. You know, we're very, we're vulnerable. We're a, long, we're, we're a long way away. We haven't got every kind of facility in New Zealand because we're a small country. So we rely on a lot of overseas data and information and equipment and so on, but we can't do so naively. We have to be awake. And that's why I support everything that you're doing at Counterspin Media, because you're allowing people to speak. People have a right to speak. Yeah, and that's that was the great thing about the Let's Not Forget tour. You know, people just wanted to speak. People just don't like the restrictions and they want to be heard. And I think, um, Cindy, that's a big reason, isn't it, why everybody went to Wellington. I mean, like you guys said in your rebuttal, like people literally felt like they had nowhere else to turn. They were not being listened to. I mean, why do you think um, it's taking so long for the medical fraternity to actually wake up? Oh, yeah, that's a very good question. And I think it's quite multifaceted. So on one hand, you know, just practically, if you speak out, you're going to get investigated by the Medical Council. And 
you know, besides the, of all the, you know, even if you if you're exonerated, there's the all the shame that is involved with that, um, particularly with your colleagues, etc. So you know, from the day we enter medical school, we are aware that the medical council is there and that we have to what we call practice defensively, and so we do that from day dot. So you know, doctors can lose their livelihoods, they can lose their homes. So that's, you know, it is a very big reason. The um, standing with colleagues, I think, is important, you know, how people perceive you and if you're perceived as an anti-vaxxer. So, you know, again, for some reason, this anti-vax slur has been applied indiscriminately. And the last thing any doctor wants is to be considered an anti-vaxxer. Um, so there's that. And then I think there are some doctors who truly believe that there is a terrible pandemic out there and that the only way out is uh, this vaccination and yeah maybe they've got the wrong information um so you know we, we are trying to find ways to to very gently speak to our colleagues and maybe not so gently sometimes and just try and um nudge them into maybe just looking at a different point of view and I, I think really it comes from the public and, and and the more that the patients go to the doctors and say hey hey you know would you mind just just have a look at this you know i'm really curious uh and you know i'll pay you for your time you know we'll do it in my consult then maybe we can we can slowly start to move the needle yeah and and what about um as we bring this to a wrap up tonight there's a lot of people now, I think, as well, who either they fully believed that yeah, taking the vaccine would save them or they were actually seriously coerced into taking it just to keep their job and to maintain um, you know, their family life. Um, what do you say to people who yeah, have, have taken this toxic concoction, basically, and now you know, they're starting to feel like, oh, no, maybe I've, maybe I've done the wrong thing? Look, you know, um, I'm not particularly religious, but we are wonderfully made and the body has got huge healing powers. And the more we uh, respect our bodies and respect each other and respect the earth and, and respect our, our relationships, um, the, the easier we'll heal. So it's certainly not doom and gloom if you've had the vaccine. And, you know, there's been different batches and we can talk about that, etc. And if you are injured, then there are some treatment protocols out there. Um, you know, again, my message, I suppose, would be that as humans, we want to come together and we want to heal ourselves and the earth. Um, and I think that should be what our focus is. Excellent. So um, just remind people um, of the, the great things that you do at NZDSOS if, if people want to consult. How can people find you? So we do run an online health clinic. Um, so if you go to our main page, nzdss.com, not .co.nz, that's the fake one, .com, and just click on the um, online clinic, uh, we, you'll get in touch with one of our um, staff who will you know, help you with the doctor's appointment. We are completely funded through patient fees and donations. We don't get any government funding, so it is more expensive than seeing your GP, but there's, you know, our consults are longer. Um, and yeah, we, we, we get no funding. So yeah, if you're out there and you're struggling, 
please do come and see us. We also have a sponsorship program. So if you really can't um, afford it, there may be um, an opportunity to be sponsored. Excellent. And um, just before we go, coming back to you, Guy, I, I would like uh, if you could just make a comment on the masks as well, because, of course, these were reintroduced to schools this term. Um, and, you know, New Zealanders just love their masks everywhere you go. People just still seem to want to wear them. And, I mean, what what's going on with masks? Are they scientifically proven? Can they save people's lives? Or is it time to ditch the mask? The uh, masks are a breeding ground for um, bacteria and fungi and, um, you know, and they lead to reduced oxygenation of the blood, which is absolutely fundamental to health. We're already wearing a mask, actually. What do you think this is? Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's nature's uh, system. Uh, Look, the the research on masks is, is, um, you know, equivocal. Uh, there are so many studies on masks and you can, if you want to promote masks, you can find one or two uh, studies that say, oh, they're wonderful. If you don't like masks, you can find a whole host of studies that say they're, they're unhealthy and useless. Uh, But the the truth is that little kids rely on uh, nonverbal communication. You put a mask on and um, you're really in, in stranger things. It's not good yeah. for education. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I can't, I can't see this. So, you know, and in schools now they have mask breaks, breathing breaks, they're called. Oh, you, wow. you know, where the kids can sort of come out from under the ocean and have a few minutes because if they don't, they just, yeah. you know, they're almost uncontrollable uh, because it, it's basically restricting themselves as a human being and it's not doing anything to reduce transmission and uh poof, you know i mean where why are we still here it's a whole system of misinformation and this is what you get when you basically hand over uh, mm-hmm. apologies actually <laughs> to uh to our other guest here tonight it's basically what you get if you hand over the process of government to a very conservative medical profession um that they, they've sort of I think, oh, thank you very much. I, well, all my life, I've been wanting to tell people that they absolutely must take their pills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been wanting to, uh, you know, scalpel, pass me the scalpel. It's a sort of authoritarian training. You know, it lasts, what, seven years to become a doctor. And you're basically training to tell people this is what you have to do. And this has got cracked into the government uh, now. They're, they're determined to tell everybody what to do in, in almost every field of life. And this is this is not the role of government to tell everybody what they ought to do at every minute of their life. Uh, it's, it's, it's overkill. It's not working. And I think, I mean, my sense, yes, there are still a lot of people wearing masks, but a lot of people I talk to are taking their masks off. It's good to hear because, uh, you know, with our earlier guest with Steve Evans and and with hearing from the both of you too, there is just a real pattern of, um, like you say, disinformation, um, experts or, you know, people in authority, bureaucrats, even politicians, you know, that that people, we hand over our, our sovereignty and our power to these individuals and they seem 
to be abusing us. They seem to be gaslighting us. They're not giving us correct information. And what are we going to see, Guy? Because we've already seen uh, the Ministry of Health come out and have to admit what all the conspiracy theorists were saying two years ago, that there is a difference between dying of COVID and with COVID. And of course, when they put down the statistic that that guy died from a bullet, um, you know, and he, he he died of COVID. I mean, they've actually had to come out and say that they were, they were like you said, um, not not taking down the statistics correctly. What's going to happen down the track when they slowly start admitting all the ways they did it wrong? Are they just going to hope that nobody holds them accountable and we all just get on with life? What do, what do you think? It, it's hard. I, 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 it's hard to, uh, you know, make people accountable in a nation where absolutely everything has gone wrong. It was really reassuring this week to see Dr. Rochelle Walensky, director of the CDC in the US, saying uh, we made a big mistake. Uh, our, her words, our performance did not reliably meet expectations. I want us all to do better. Uh, and my goal, she said, is a new public health action oriented culture that emphasizes accountability, collaboration, communication, and timeliness. You know, this is, this is a big nation in the world standing up. We had Denmark standing up. We've had Germany starting to stand up. We've, there's a change and we, we can't be left behind. This has to happen here. And whichever way it happens, it, it just has to happen that people have to sort of go back to square one, just like uh, the CDC are doing this week and say, what do we do wrong? How are we gonna put it right? We're going to have to, you know, front up with a bit of honesty. And actually, you know, when you do say, I made a mistake, people are more understanding, you know. I mean, that's the beginning. Mm -hmm. If people simply say, we've made a few mistakes, we're going to try and do better, we're going to correct them, and here are a few things we're going to do right away, people are going to understand. Look, it's a horrible tragedy that we've been through. We but we're going to have to find a way out of it. Yeah, I think and we should start the hashtag. We, together. we should say, hashtag, it's okay to be wrong. And we should, well, I'd yeah. like to hope we can have these discussions where it's okay to be wrong. If you're just tuning in now and, you know, we we were all wrong at some point in our belief structure and the way we used to think. We've had to reevaluate the evidence in front of us or the data that's been coming in and we've had to say, oh, I got that wrong. Okay, where to from here? And let, let's make a solid effort to rectify the situation so that this can never happen again. Now, Guy, tell us where people can find your work. You're doing amazing. And I uh, really highly recommend people go and seek you out. Hatchardreport.com. You can sign up there, get a regular email. You can just visit the site. And uh, we put out, a, uh, and there are, a lot, there are quite a few people working on this. We put out scientific information every couple of days, keep you up to date with pandemic publishing in scientific journals. 
Excellent. Yes, and you too um, and your organisations are where Paula Penfold should be getting her information. You both should have been on that documentary. um, And, you know, any journalist in New Zealand right now should be coming and seeing you guys. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you uh, bringing your expertise. And um, we look forward to the mainstream media reaching out to you and uh, you actually helping the country heal from what has been a really traumatic past couple of years. Thank you both for your ongoing work and your commitment to truth. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in. What a great uh panel of guests this evening. They are all experts in their field. They are they are living it day to day and this is the crisis of journalism in this country when they can't even find people that we can find. I mean, if we can find them, you guys can find them. And we really need to lift our game um, to any medical experts out there. Again, it's not too late to just look at the data, you know, take a breath and realize that that something has seriously gone wrong and reach out to these organizations. They will support you through this transition. And to anybody else who's out there standing up for truth um, and you're getting smashed in the mainstream media like we did, this is a win. This is great. This is just giving more people out there in the world um, access to start questioning because that is the way people are going to learn. They won't learn by me sitting here telling them they were wrong or smashing them overhead smashing them over the head with information they have to start asking the questions themselves and seeking out those answers and finding wonderful people like our experts on the panel tonight to actually help them understand what's going on internally and externally but I know most of you who are regular watchers of Counterspin um, you guys are totally on that quest it is a, a time for the great awakening and and finding out the truth and um, and healing inside and out so I really congratulate all of you in the truth movement this week and in the freedom movement. You've done a phenomenal job. You should all be just so, so, so absolutely proud of you yourselves. And I'm I'm so proud of Calvin um, for taking on Michael Laws. Like I said at the beginning, he is one of the hardest people uh, in talkback radio. And um, I think him showing that courage and and not shying away and and showing that, you know, you can overcome fear. You can stand strong. Um, and look, that's what Counterspin's all about. We're the tip of the spear. We know that we say the things that many won't, um, and we won't be scared. We're not going to be shut down. And that's why we need your help. So if you like what we do and you want us to keep being strong and and not, um, you know, we're, we're, we're straight up the guts, as people like to say. We like to tell it as it is. So if you like that style and you want to support us, please do go to counterspinmedia.com and think about making a regular contribution because, like everybody who's doing this work, uh, we're doing it for the love. We don't have, um, you know, big backers. We don't have Steve Bannon or Alex Jones, as they like to try and insinuate. Uh, but we do need your support because, after all, this platform is by the people for the people. So I can't wait um, to have Calvin next to me again. And we look forward to continuing the truth next week. Don't forget uh, Wellington, obviously, this weekend on Saturday, the Freedom Rights Coalition holding their People's Court. So do go and uh, check that out if you can it sounds like it's going to be a wonderful event Uh, there are convoys going from the top of the North Island to the bottom of the South go and check the Freedom Rights Coalition out on um, 
on Facebook and obviously their website. Hey, and of course, it's the same old, same old here in the truth movement in New Zealand. We may not always agree with each other 100%, but if we can focus on those main points that bring us together, then um, that's the way we're going to win. I mean, heck, me and Calvin never agree 100% on everything either. So, But that's the beauty of freedom of speech and the freedom to think, and we should use those um, while we still can because who knows how long uh, we'll still have that ability. So enjoy your weekend. Um, thanks for watching, and uh, we look forward to seeing you out there in Wellington if you can make it. Thanks, guys. Good night. You can find Counterspin. New Zealand's media revolution at counterspinmedia.com. And now, on the InfoWars Network at band.video. If you're suffering with insomnia, depression, anxiety, and even pain, then check out the AlphaStim. AlphaStim is a safe, drug-free medical device clinically proven to really work. AlphaStim is used by medical professionals around the world, including national health services and the military. Receive $50 off and free delivery throughout New Zealand by using the Counterspin link and promo code for a limited time only and while stocks last, so order yours today. Mama, I have an ouchie. It's okay, Mama will fix it. Simply shake ouchie powder directly onto the wound the natural antibiotic properties of algae powder will sterilize the wound. Once the powder is applied, wait a few seconds while the algae powder absorbs the excess blood and forms a protective layer sealing the wound. Thanks, Mum. Can I go play now? Algae powder. Fixes wounds fast. <laughs>